اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all Welcome to another episode of The Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam radio station You're listening to myself Samar and Qayyum Rashid and we will be with you God willing all the way up until 9 o'clock So if you do have any questions, any remarks, any comments that you'd like to make please feel free to do so. The number for you, as always, is 0208-687-7878. And of course, you can hit us up on our socials on Twitter and on Instagram at Voice of Islam UK. We are talking about some very interesting topics. If you are familiar with The Breakfast Show here on The Voice of Islam radio station, especially Tuesday's uh, Breakfast Show, you'll know that we usually speak about three main topics after the roundup of the news. But today... Um, as the topics are a bit more uh, lengthy um, and a bit more, Im- well, all all topics are as important as the other. But uh, we are talking about some very interesting things today uh, as well. And the, the, the first topic for you is um, the signs of the coming of a reformer. Does the world need a spiritual savior? Let us know what you think. The number for you, as always, is 0208-687-7878. Like I said, remember, this is your radio station and we do love for you to get involved so do pick up the phone and give us a call um in the second segment um we're going to be speaking about sampling planet for our uh sampling uh planet for our um Sorry, <laughs> sapling planting for our planet. I, th- I think it's a bit too early for me today. Kiyum, um, <laughs> uh, these are the topics uh, for today. Um, and we'll be getting into that right, right after the roundup of the news. But before we do so, um, how are you doing this morning? Um, all praise belongs to Allah. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, I'm doing good. As always, yes, you're right. It is um, It is too early. At, at, you know, <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes it's... Uh, uh, it's what that particular morning, and, and we were just discussing before we were coming on air that because the morning prayer is at around six thirty in the morning, so you're so you're juggling. Uh, do you do do you do your prayer at home and then you come, or you do you do you come in and and do your prayer and and in that juggling of the timing, you're running around and you're missing your coffee. And <laughs> for me, it's that once you have that coffee, which we're having now, mm. it it uh, you know things start to kind of fall into place. Coffee has a, 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 a coffee is very powerful. Coffee yeah. is very powerful. Yeah, no, no, most certainly. Um, but yes, you're right. Um, two fantastic topics that we're going to be uh, discussing this morning. I think the first one in the first hour is so, so, so relevant to what is happening in and around the world. Not just now, but what's been happening over the past hundred years. We're going to be discussing that. Um, uh, in, in, uh, to be honest, it's it's a topic that we can talk about forever, yeah. um, because it's such a vast topic. Um, but and, and, and very to, dear to, very. To, to, to people of all faiths, Without not just doubt. us as Ahmadi Muslims, but people of, of all faiths and backgrounds. Uh, this is something that uh, everyone is looking for, whether they kind of uh, inadvertently or advertently. You're, you're right. I, I was reading the statistics a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. There's, there's a, they're saying 8 billion people now in this world. 6 billion belong to a religion of one sort or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... This topic and this person that we're going to be talking about is being awaited by every single faith. Hmm. So six billion people around the world are waiting um, for some kind of reformer to come and sort out the problems of the world, problems of society, individual problems. Everyone's looking. 
But I think for the first time recently, especially with recent events, people are openly calling out, yeah. especially I think since COVID. Mm. A lot of people have been become very vocal. Um, we've been vocal, or the community within the Amni Muslim <laughs> community has been vocal for over 100 years on yeah. this. <laughs> and, and, and reaping the rewards for it, people are seeing and understanding and, and, uh, um, and, and coming towards the light in respect um, of the coming of uh, the reformer that everyone is talking about. But before we get into the topic, um, you know, it, it would be not be right. It would be very uh, un-British for us not to talk about the weather. Um, it is going to be scattered showers across northwest Scotland, wintry at height, elsewhere patchy cloud and bright spells with outbreaks of rain moving in from the southwest. Later on, our brothers and sisters listening in Edinburgh in Scotland and in, in the northern areas, as, as I always say, you know, they always get the brunt of the true British weather, the cold and the wind and, and the wintry showers. Um, and, uh, you know, when you get down to the Midlands, Birmingham, we're in Birmingham now. So good morning, Birmingham. Uh, I hope you're listening and, uh, and and enjoying the voice of Islam. And uh, if you want to contribute to any of our topics that Brother Summers talked about, give us a call 0208 687 We would love to hear from what, uh, what, uh, uh, what your thoughts are on uh, the topics of the coming of the Reformer um, or um, in the second hour, I think it's tree plantation. I think is or uh, or something of, uh, of of a similar accord that that we will be talking about after eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. But tonight is going to be again um, uh, northern Scotland. It it, it uh, is likely to be fairly dry. Um, it's going to be clear with some cold um, uh, uh, with with some cold wintry sh- um, weather and uh, some cloud arriving towards dawn. Elsewhere, it is likely to be a cloudy night with showers or longer spells of rain. Breeze in the south. South is always very breezy. Um, you know, there is a cold chill out there, so do be careful. Uh, sometimes when you look out the window and you see the sun and you think, oh, I don't need to wearing that uh, scarf. Maybe I don't need to wear my beanie. Maybe I can, you know, uh, take or take out my, uh, my, 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 I can take off the coat or one layer. Mm. All it takes is a split second to catch a cold. We are going through a season, I think everybody knows this virus is about. People are catching colds. Uh, March, February, March is always, uh, it's very on and off. So do be careful out there. Mm-hmm. If you're driving, uh, may, please check your tyres. Please make sure that the roads you're travelling on, remember the, the the slipperiness on the road is never visible. Mm. Um, so be careful. Remember, bicycles, we, you know, whether you whether you like them or whether you hate them, it's irrespective. There are bikes out there on the road. It is still uh, fairly, uh, you know, it gets dark in the morning and, and uh, you're sitting in a car. Be aware of the cyclist. They're, they're not protected by any metal uh, uh, steel. They, they, you know, they, they, they might annoy you. Uh, bear it. Uh, you know, bite your tongue. Mm. But be careful um, out there. Small roads, a lot of traffic on the road. Uh, and and the responsibility I always say, as much as I I have issues and 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 um, and yeah, it's controversial to talk about cyclists, but uh, it's all well and good being in disagreement with someone on policies and the way things done, and it's another thing uh, to allow yourself to be angered and and uh, and to do something irrational. So do be careful. Look after. Remember, driving is not about what you're doing. It's also it's mostly about looking out, looking out for people around you. It is courtesy. Common courtesy is the rule of driving. Look out for the other when you're driving. So do be careful. 
And, and that same rule can apply in our da- daily lives, doesn't yes. it? I mean, d- driving is part of our daily lives. Yeah. But even in other aspects of our lives, we should always be mm-hmm. mindful of the people around us yes. um, and look after um, everyone, uh, whether it's uh, someone we know or someone we don't know. Uh, we should still be mindful of the people around us and, and tend to their needs as well. It's not all about always about uh, uh, my, me, myself and I, but yeah. rather we should be looking at the bigger picture and looking after uh, God's creation as well. As we know, I mean, our, our regular listeners will be will be probably bored of me saying this so often, but uh, the, 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 the two fundamental duties that we as Muslims have are one, hakukullah, the rights that we owe to God Almighty, by rendering thanks to him and worshiping him and the other duty which is which is which goes hand in hand with this first one is hukuk al-ibad and this is uh, like i always say an umbrella term which encapsulates absolutely everything that god has created and that is absolutely everything whether we're talking about mankind animals plants vegetation crops trees buildings the atmosphere the environment absolutely everything falls under this umbrella term and that's why it's so essential for us not just to be always looking out for oh what's best for me what's best for my family or my loved ones rather let's try to think about more people um, I mean obviously we, we are going through well mid-Feb now uh, a lot of us probably had uh, New Year's resolutions as well at the beginning of the year or at the end of the previous year um, are we still looking out uh, and 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 um, trying to implement those resolutions whether it be it was to be the best versions of ourselves whether it was to 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 be more mindful of the people and the environment around us uh, looking after people and all of these uh, these these positive traits that we see um, within ourselves that we that we promise ourselves that this is something that we're going to get into um, even more in the future let's let's take this moment to really reflect and uh, try to be the best versions of ourselves as well without a doubt um, the newspaper headlines so Labour axes candidate and Corey Ken's £550,000 tax bill quote unquote so a number of today's newspapers lead with Labour withdrawing support for Rochdale by election candidate Azhar Ali after his comments on Israel. The Daily Mail says it comes after the paper uncovered more of his anti-Semitic comments, quote-unquote. The paper says Mr. Ali, who claimed Israel's deliberately allowed Hamas October 7th um, massacre of his own people, was suspended from the party pending an investigation, again quoted from the article. The Mail reports that it had obtained, uh, obtained a full audio tape of his comments during a meeting of the Lancashire Labour Party shortly after the 7th October attacks. It's it's bizarre. You know, the 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 true colours of our political, our, our main political parties are coming to light here. Um, you know, yesterday there, there is a... There is a new website that's been set up. It's called themuslimvote.co.uk because the both parties have disenfranchised mm. the Muslim community, which is I think between six and six percent of this country is Muslim. Yeah, and I think uh, the, these are figures uh, again. Um, I'm, I'm not uh, don't take them as a definitive, but uh, that's the rough idea. And that's a huge voting bank, and the hypocrisy of of Labour. Who, who are traditionally, uh, you know, supported by, I think, most of the Muslim community across the country, the hypocrisy of the, the Labour government, the mm-hmm. Labour, sorry, the Labour Party um, is, uh, is, is crazy. It's, 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 uh, 
6.5%, thank you. Mm. 6.5% of, uh, of, of this country's population. So that's nearly, what, 10%? Yeah. Nearly 10%. 65 million people in this country. Uh, 10% of this, of this country is, is Muslim. And, and for Labour to, to get up on this bandwagon um, and, you know, um, referring to its, it is, its anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. Uh, Anti-Zionism, yeah. even a lot of the Jewish community always, um, you know, if one was to go and to jump onto social media, so many prominent Jews mm. um, have been very, orthod- especially Orthodox Jews, who, who, who are very open about, and so many times we've had people, guests on our show, who, are, uh, who have clearly separated Zionism from, um, from uh, you know, from, from Judaism. Two different things. Yeah. You know, Zionism is from 1897. It's a political ideology, a very fascist, far-right political ideology. Yeah. Whereas Judaism is a peaceful Abrahamic religion from 4,000 years ago. You cannot say two these two things uh, are, are the same. Exactly. And, and the... the but both conservative, again, it's my personal opinion, both conservative and Labour have clearly shown how Islamophobic, and yes, it is Islamophobic, that that their behaviour has been because of the way they have been treating people. And the fact that these two parties are openly, they're openly supporting um, uh, genocide, eth- ethnic cleansing, they are, they are, they are more importantly, from, from a people uh, point of view in the West, they are supporting apartheid. The only people who are qualified to talk about apartheid are South Africa. And they are saying this apartheid is worse than the apartheid they suffered in South Africa. Yeah. That's the experts yeah. who are saying it. Mm. And, and, and yet, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I am no supporter of Azhar Ali here. Azhar Ali sold himself, sold his soul for politics. A lot of, a lot of people who come from ethnic backgrounds and a lot of people who are from the ethnic community... They are uh, giving preference and they're giving more uh, importance to their political careers over speaking out for justice, speaking out for humanity, speaking out for a ceasefire, speaking for the Palestinian, because um, Israel at the moment can do what they want. But what I would say to people who believe in justice and who believe in humanity, irrespective of what culture, creed, religion you come from, what you need to do is make sure that this is a year of election. And in, in accordance with Islam, um, you know, make sure it is the responsibility of the person who is looking to lead you to be just and to be humane and mm. to be right for the job. Choose them in accordance with what policies they have. But as an individual, the same responsibility falls upon the voter to make sure that you are voting for the right person. No. Because it's not just the person you're voting for, but it's you who have a, have a burden on your shoulders. And I think this year is going to be very decisive for both parties. I think what they've done and what they are doing mm. with the issue of Palestine, they have completely disenfranchised, not just the Muslim vote, but any human being who have, who's gone on that march um, fighting for justice. They have completely disenfranchised the youth because the youth are looking at these leaders, supposed leaders, who are, um, you know, if, if the, the mind rationally says, well, if you are looking at 35,000 people being massacred, out of which 66% are women and children, yeah. and you don't have the audacity, you don't have the humanity within you, your, your ego and your pride and your... Um, your mindset is of so such a low level of depravity 
that you can't say, no, that's wrong, then you are not, you don't deserve a vote. Mm. Because if that's what you feel about children and, and, and women, well, it's either the color of their skin is irrelevant to you, mm. or generally women and children dying is irrelevant, irrelevant to you. Yeah. Well, then why would it be different in this country? Why would it be different in the people you're looking to lead? It, it, you know, no matter which angle you take, I, 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 for the life of me, cannot see the two main parties in our country for the first time. I cannot see how they are going to get out of this. Because if they say, well, you know, um, it's international, fine. It's an overseas matter. But then you're not condemning it. So it must be the color of their skin and the faith, yeah. which is irre irrelevant to you, mm. which, according to your own principles, makes you Islamophobic. Yeah. According to their own rules, yeah. it makes yeah. them Islamophobic. And if they say, well, you know, uh, Israel has a right to defend itself, well, that means you haven't really understood Palestine in that sense that they've been occupied for more than 70 years and they have had hundreds and thousands of, of people who have been killed the rules that they live in in Israel, in, in, in occupied Palestine are separate from, 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 uh, from the indigenous population with the Jewish population who are deemed a superior. So no matter which way you look at, you're either uh, are going down the route where you declare yourself by default supporter of genocide and history. And, and, and again, I'll, I'll, I don't really want to get into it because it's a very emotional topic. Mm. History is not written by the victors anymore. It's the likes of me who will tell your children no. that your parents were supporters of genocide. So all you politicians out there who support this, be it, uh, you know, be you, be Muslims, Christians, Jews, no matter which side of, of, of which political uh, affiliation you have or which religion you belong to, anyone who is in support of genocide, anyone who supports war crimes, anyone who supports apartheid, anyone who supports injustice, anyone who supports uh, inhumanity and barbarism that's being shown in Rafa at the moment against the Palestinians. Remember, your children will read about you. It will be, you know, unfortunately for you, everything is happening. It's recorded on social media, no. which didn't happen historically. We used to read about events after the event. Exactly. Not today you will be deemed as the supporters of genocide, ethnic cleansing, and your children will ask you, or they might not even have a relationship with you because of what you are doing today. You are ruining not just your, but you're ruining the future of your children and the children of this country with the support you are doing and with the politics you are playing with this genocide, ethnic cleansing, war crimes, and the apartheid that is being practiced in illegal occupation of Palestine. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 everything's being recorded in real time here, yes. isn't it? And that's that's, uh, and you can't deny that exactly. And and and, and it has its uh, ups and downs. But uh, but this is definitely something which uh, people in leadership uh, need to be very considerate about. Like you mentioned, um, it's it's not about uh, the history being written by the victors, but rather this is something which is going to be happening, uh, whether you like it or not, by by the likes of you and I. And uh, another thing, whilst we whilst we're on topic, is is about leadership. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Islam teaches us uh, so so clearly that uh, the those who have some kind of authority, 
they are to be uh, to to perform their 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 duties with justice and this this key word of justice i i i think it's missing around the globe um there will be people who who do uphold uh justice but uh, when we when we look at uh, the the world in a general term and a broad term we see that this is very much lacking by the leaders and that is why the the the, the people who 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 with let's say live in that country where a government is not uh, acting with justice yeah. they 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 don't have that trust anymore you know you make that point it's and such a valid point look at what the the labors are reporting some of the insiders they would rather support um a suspended member of labor this is in accordance with the uh, the guardian mm-hmm. who has been uh, who was suspended for sending inappropriate messages to a teenager they would rather support a person who has been suspended for the party for doing that yeah. than to support a person who's made supposed anti-semitic comments <laughs> I mean look the mindset what are these people thinking yeah. what kind of mindset are these people who are looking to come into governance you are so correct that you know there needs to be integrity what happened there is no integrity yeah. labor hasn't shown any conservatives lost it the people said to me you always talk about labor conservatives lost it you know time ago you know if one was to look at it the past 5 years supposed to be a parliament is 5 years no hmm. so between 2019 and now we've had Theresa May Boris Johnson Liz Truss Rishi Sunak four prime ministers over 5 years yeah saying quite the record you know it's you know we've had unbelievable chaos in this country we've become a laughing stock of the world and and labor within itself you know it it's taken four prime ministers to break conservatism again personal opinion and but i think mr keir starmer who's supposed to be a, you know a human a lawyer for humanitarianism mm. you know and and look at look at his attitude now he this is the same man who went on another radio station and said it was okay for israel to uh, to turn off water and and stop food from going in to assist and then uh, as oh then he didn't mean it that way mm. he didn't mean it but then the same words were reiterated by his uh, his colleagues on other radio stations throughout the day David Lammy said it I think um, and and uh, I've forgotten his uh, his foreign um, affairs uh, uh, shadow secretary she said the same words about how Israel Israel listen to this Israel has a right to stop water and food going to people who need it hmm. if that is not supporting a war crime what is you know i know we're going on and on about this but this is very relevant to the next topic that we're going to be talking about as well yeah definitely definitely and uh, just a quick reminder for our listener out there um and that is uh we, we two topics today signs of the coming of a re- reformer what the does the world uh, need a spiritual savior is the question for you today um and we're going to be speaking about planting as well um saving our planet in the second topic we'll just go through i think a few more uh, headlines for the day um and then we'll uh, we'll get straight into the first uh, main topic um also reporting on the Rochdale by-election candidate losing support uh, from Keir Starmer is the i newspaper 
The paper says that this leaves Labour without a candidate in the forthcoming election and could hand the Tories or George Galloway an God willing. Un- <laughs> unlikely victory. God unquote. willing. God willing. Because George Galloway, for, or for you know whether you like, he's Marmite. You either like him or you don't. <laughs> but he stands up. He's been standing up for the for the cause of the Palestinians for decades. You know, he's been the voice for the Palestinians when he was an MP and he they tried to malign him i'm I, you know i'm not say, I, I don't know him nobody knows him personally people who know him personally is differently but from my point of view he's vocal he is controversial he does say some things which you know i don't have to agree with but in this perspective yeah. if the 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 victory goes to george galloway then good for him mm. good for him good for the people of rochdale good for the people of palestine and 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 you know maybe it's time somebody came in and uh, you know um, gave a, gave a, a, a bruising to the Tories and the Labour, um, and again remember who you vote for in the coming elections. Never stop talking about Palestine. Yeah, I, I mean uh, j- just on that as well. It, it is the responsibility of the voter as well um, that they that they really look into who they're voting for first of all, and uh, secondly d- that they do vote in the first place as well. Yes. A lot of a lot of us may feel as if, uh, oh well, it's just one vote. What difference yeah. is it going to make? But yeah. it, it does make a difference, and that's why there's a voting system. Uh, if if we if we disregard that and just say that oh well what what, what difference is my vote going to going to make if all of us were to think like that then yeah then most certainly there will be a huge difference and a disparity within uh, the outcome of the votes and that is why it's so essential that first of all we read up on uh, who we're voting for and uh, secondly we actually make that uh, that uh, um, that vote as well it's not that we just think about it oh man well, why is this person elected or why did this person become uh, the MP or the, the Prime Minister or whatever. I mean, th- this is something that is in our hands, in yes, essence. it is. And I think you make such a wonderful point uh, and, and a relevant point that people think, well, my vote's not going to matter, so I'm not going to go. Yeah. It does matter. It's more important today than it ever has. But then this also goes down to, people might think, what? It goes down to parenting? Yes, it does go down to parenting. You need to make sure your children know the importance of voting. When you go and vote, take them with you. Hmm. When they, when they become of age where they can vote, let them know that their vote matters. Let them know. Because it's always the case that people who always moan after elections are the ones who've never voted. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't agree with this. Well, did you vote? No. <laughs> then you don't have a voice. You kill your own voice. Yeah. And yes, within Islam, the, 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 the notion of voting has been here forever. You know, with the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave rights to individuals 1,400 years ago. But then within the Western world, they always go on about in 1928, you got the vote to the right to vote, especially women. Then exercise it. People have made sacrifices in the Western world uh, to, to make sure that you get the vote. So go and use it. Your vote matters. But as Brother Summer said so rightly, vote, read, look at your social media. Do you want to vote for people who are, who are supporting genocide in your name, war crimes in your name? Apartheid, apartheid. Remember what apartheid is. This is when they put Nelson Mandela in prison for 27 years. And all of the same people, they praised the South African government for, for incarcerating Nelson Mandela. And then 27 years later, the same people who were joy, joyful about putting him in prison, they lined up and begged to have an audience with him. And then they gave him the Nobel Prize. 
the, the, you know, the, the hypocrisy of the, the, the developed world is the same. When Yasser Arafat, Yasser Arafat was, again, the leader of the Palestine Liberation Organization, they, they labeled him a terrorist. They labelled him this, that, the other, and then they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Yep, and then they queued up to, to, to get an audience with him. They remember these people, they will change their colour, they will change their tone on depending on what side of the bed they wake up in the morning. Do you want these kind of people representing your voice? Think carefully when you go out there and vote. Mm. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's uh, that's a beautiful segue as well uh, into our first main topic. I think yeah. let's uh, let's get straight into this now because, uh, like like we said earlier as well, is it is of uh, of great importance um, that we speak about this topic. And, and just a quick reminder for you, if you are just tuning in, the topic um, that we're going to be getting into now is or, or are the signs of the coming of a reform. And the question that we're asking, a, a very important question. And that is, does the world need a spiritual savior? The question here is talking about the world needing a spiritual savior. But let us know what you think as well. As you as an individual, it can be you as someone of no faith. Or it can be you of someone with a different faith to the faith that we belong to, the Ahmadi Muslim community. It can be someone, it can be absolutely anyone. Let us know what your thoughts are on this, whether you're getting ready for, for, for work, uh, whether you're getting the kids ready. Well, I know it's half term. Um, but uh, but but yeah, whatever it is that you're doing, having your breakfast, let us know uh, about this important topic. Does the world need a spiritual savior? And what do you as an individual also feel about this? Without a doubt. Um, you know, um, if one was to look at social media, if you look at the call out, um, a lot of Palestinian children, well, they've killed all the adults, so there's a few children left. Um, they're calling out for the Mahdi. There is an anthem, um, there is a melody that they recite um, where they call out for the Mahdi because they, they, th- this is the time. They, they, don't, they, they are saying we reject the support. That they, that's absent anyway yeah. from, the, from the world at large and from the leaders, even within the Muslim nations and from the West, of course. It, it would be ridiculous to think that the West is going to support the Palestinians. But they're calling out to God. They're calling out for the reformer to come and help them. But then if you look at the flip side, if you look at uh, Bibi, uh, you know, the, the Netanyahu, yeah. he has been using uh, scriptures, manipulating scriptures and using certain verses at certain times and using words like Amalek uh, and, and going into the history of, of uh, you know, of, those, of early centuries, um, I think it's fifth or sixth century, because there's a certain type. Uh, there's a certain time where Jews believe that the reformer will come when, when, when there will be huge war. So the reason he's using he's using uh, and manipulating Jewish scripture to motivate his 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 uh, you know uh, IDF the the the, the illegal occupiers mm. to to motivate them into going to war because they think. At time of war and destruction, uh, for the and and uh, at such times, the reformer will come. Mm-hmm. So the mindset, as much as this is not a religious war, a lot of people are using religion mm-hmm. as a tool. On one side, yeah, to rage war, whereas the other side, victims, are 
calling out for a reformer because they're being oppressed and they're being murdered and they're being killed and they're saying and and you have to take your hat off to the preservers uh, perseverance and the patience and the resilience of the Palestinian people that in all of this atrocity they still have not forgotten to praise God at every single instance yeah it is is very noteworthy it that, is noteworthy uh, the, yeah. the, the the patience the steadfastness yes there's, the belief there's there's no uh, there's there's no lacking in that i in mean in fact it's, it's a learning curve exactly exactly i mean hats off to them to 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 really even in the face of such adversity it's not just uh, it's not a small thing i mean the no. world knows it the world can see it yeah. um the, i mean the power of social media um you you can see what's happening and that is why and, and despite all of that the, despite the difficulties that they're facing still they they are calling out for the mahdi they are calling out for the messiah and it just goes to show that this is the difference between the islamic faith mm. and other um, I, I wouldn't just say faiths but uh, other organizations and bodies the interpretations yeah. of what the reformer and the mahdi is going to be in other faiths is very different from especially within the ahmadiyya muslim community i think it's very relevant because in that sense where ahmadiyya muslim community and the islam ahmadiyya uh, the definition of the reformer and the 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 rationality is so much more different even from other muslims and 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 uh, and other belief systems yeah yeah and no. that's what we're going to be highlighting today so brothers summer what is firstly what does mahdi mean mahdi is uh, an arabic word mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which uh, means the person who will guide so uh, hidayat the the word uh, urdu and arabic word of hidayat means guidance and mahdi is the individual who is to guide and this is a word used for the second coming of uh, of jesus upon okay. whom be peace and i mean it, it's so beautiful that the holy prophet muhammad may peace the peace and blessings of allah be upon him he prophesied over 1400 years ago such in in such a beautiful and eloquent manner in which there is no there's no doubt left in the mind uh, he explained the appearance of the mahdi he he described the qualities of the mahdi and the messiah he described who this individual will be where he will come from all of these different things even the time uh, period in which this will he this will also happen. talked of signs didn't he exactly exactly and that is uh what we're going to be talking about yep. today and we'll we'll talk about uh, well it depends on how much time uh we do have but uh, we'll talk about as many signs as possible but we don't just want to talk about the the vast majority of signs because there's there's there's, uh, there's too thousands many there's too many thousands. Yeah. um and and you can't even i mean even if we had a, a 24 hour yes. show we wouldn't be able to get through no, all of them no, but no. Uh, but but we'll we'll try to go into detail so so one of the main signs is about the lunar and solar eclipse um which we'll be addressing um but if if, if i yeah. may i i have a question sure the we were talking about the conflict and war and and there is in my head uh, a question always arises that people who believe in the reformer and guided one whenever they talk of the guided one they th- there is violence attributed to the coming of the of the this supposed reformer irrespective of which faith he comes from mm-hmm. and you know the hindus are waiting for for a reformer the buddhists are waiting for a reformer muslims other sects oh, yeah, are waiting is, every yeah. single believer in a faith are waiting for the reformer but what i find strange is that they all 
are talking about a reformer coming at and and acting in a violent way towards other faiths. Mm. How can that make sense? That's irrational, is it not? I mean, if if we're calling this individual the guided one, then exactly. obviously he's he's the I mean, guided one from the the from Almighty. God. Yes, and uh, God Almighty, as it's stated in the Holy Quran in various places, that uh, there's there's no distinction uh, b- b- between prophets. We b- believe in every single prophet, yeah. 124,000 of them. So it's not to say that oh, we 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 select and choose that oh, we believe in, for instance, Jesus, Moses, uh, and Abraham, uh, peace be upon them all. But we don't believe in God forbid. Uh, uh, prophet Noah or Prophet Lot or, 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 or other prophets. Of course not. We believe in every single prophet and uh, we, we believe that they all served their purpose yeah. for, th- for that distinct time or for that distinct people. Um, and a lot of prophets were even sent at the same time because of, uh, I mean, the world wasn't like it was today, is today, isn't it? I mean, over right now, we believe that uh, Islam is the universal religion because it can be spread throughout the world. Yes. And it has been. Yeah. Uh, and God willing, it will spread even more. Mm. Um, but uh, before, back in the day, when there wasn't any social media, when there wasn't any other type of uh, print media and things of that uh, available, then th- whatever was happening in a village would be kind of confined to that village or that town or that city or that country. Mm. Um, and it wouldn't uh, really go uh, move past that. But now... Um, because God Almighty ha- had uh, he he was obviously he knew that this is how the world will progress, and so he sent the Holy Prophet Muhammad may the peace and so blessings of Allah be upon him over fourteen hundred years ago now, to 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 teach people that faith which is that everlasting faith right. But because of these uh, these difficulties in in getting around and and for for people of all over the from from all over the world to understand this message, that is why he needed a reformer to come to teach that same message. Nothing different, no disparity, no distinction. The same message, but at a time where more people can be aware of that message. Which is why he wasn't a mercy to Arabia. He wasn't a mercy to Muslims. Exactly. He was a mercy to mankind, to everyone. Yeah. He brought a universal religion, not restricted to geography or time. It was an eternal religion because he himself was an embodiment of the Holy Quran, which is the Holy Book, Word of God, which will be relevant from the day it was revealed to the end of time. So, hence, and and he completed all the religions that came before him. Yeah. People need to remember this, that Islam is a religion, not, oh, the Holy Prophet may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He just created and made up all these new rules. He actually said on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the, 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 that he, his last sermon, where he talked about all the messages and all the rele- revelations from the books before. And he says they, they, they fall in line with the, the Holy Quran and mentioned in the Holy Quran. But he said, I am here to complete the religion. So that was that means that all of the other religions before put together and, of course, um, uh, uh, given more truer meaning in accordance f- for the future. Yeah, yeah. Till the end of time, that revelation has been put together in the Holy Quran because that is the word of God. And and it preserved the sanctity of previous religions as well. Uh, yes. I mean, a lot of, yeah. uh, we, we see even people who belong to that faith, uh, they will say that, oh, well, our prophet uh, did so and so. They yeah. they killed X amount of people or they yeah. married so many uh, so many women or this or that or whatever. Um, or, 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 or they cheated uh, 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 someone else's rights. I mean, 
Islam has taught us that uh, th- all of these things are false. We we believe that these prophets, uh, of course, they 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 the message that they came with was limited because of the time and place that they were sent to. But uh, there is no there's no doubt that they would do something negative. Of course, they wouldn't. They, but they're but this is a strange God thing, though, that they look to define the prophets in accordance with the might of. Of, of power mm. and how much they've killed yeah which is which again defies the term prophethood for what it is exactly and you know we've we've sat here spoken so many times in different programs about the defensive wars that the muslims had to fight to defend their faith the holy prophet may the peace and blessings of allah be upon him never killed a human being yeah never mm. even in war he did not. Mm. We are not going to sit here and say, oh, he killed so many people because he was a great prophet. No. He was a prophet. Let's put, let's put, let's, let's give the true meaning to the word within itself. And that word prophet is so relevant to the term um, and to the definition that uh, Brother Summer gave early of the, um, of the Arabic word Mahdi, mm. the guided one, because they are also intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, the I mean we're, we're talking about uh, obviously we've given a, we've given a gist of uh, faith and uh, of of religion and of prophets and and what different religions believe in in, in this regard as well. Um, but we are going to be focusing uh, more of our discussion now on the the, the, the Mahdi. Um, as you know, the coming of a great reformer in the latter days has been predicted in the Holy Scriptures of various religions. A very remarkable prophecy made by our Lord and Master, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which helps a seeker after truth in recognizing him. Uh, and, and that is, according to this prophecy, the lunar and solar eclipses on the specified dates of the month of Ramadan would serve as signs of his advent. Um, but before we talk about this particular sign, um, I do want to 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 make sure that our, that our listener is aware um, of the fact that prophets, whenever they come. There, there is some kind of a foretelling about them, and there is a life that they live before they claim prophethood as well. Yes, and that that is a testimony to their truthfulness. I mean, th- whether it be through dreams, visions, and various other revelations, people are shown signs that confirm the truth of the prophet's message, right? And uh, and it's also the way they live their lives. Exactly, exactly, and th- these serve as a powerful reminder of Allah's unwavering support for his chosen ones. If if we take Moses, for instance, mm. the prophet Moses, upon whom be peace, the biblical narrative uh, in Exodus chapter 2 from verses 1 to 10 recount the tale of his mother um, who received the divine uh, dream reve- revealing that her son was destined to become a great leader. And we all know the the incident of uh, the Egyptian authorities slaughtering all Hebrew boys, right? The pharaohs, yes. Um, so, 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 so the, we have the incident of her putting the uh, the, the the baby boy in in a in a in a, a basket um, uh, and, um, and 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 uh, and and later on 
um, from from the water. She was the the the, end of the the mother. Uh, she was the one who was actually looking after the the child as well, and that became um, the prophet Moses as we know today. Likewise, in the case of Jesus, upon whom be peace, the Bible reports that uh, um, uh, Mary, Maryam, the mother of Jesus, upon whom be peace, received a visitation from an angel, and this was actually uh, Angel Jibreel, mm. who we as Muslims are, are very well uh, versed with as well, who informed her that she would give birth to a son who is destined to become a prophet of God. Again, if we take the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Um, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, uh, relates uh, the fascinating story about the Prophet um, Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, his early years. While accompanying his uncle on a trading journey to Syria, a Christian monk named Bahira noticed signs of prophethood in the young Muhammad, وسلم, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And he actually advised his uncle to take care of him well, for he was destined to become a great prophet. Now coming to the Mahdi and the promised Messiah upon whom be peace. Long before his advent, a series of divine signs began to appear, setting the stage for his arrival. One such sign was the dream of Mia Ghulab Shah, who received a vision prior to 1861 that Jesus upon whom be peace has, had passed away and that the prophecy of the second coming would be fulfilled through Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, who we know as the second coming of Jesus upon whom be peace, the promised Messiah and Mahdi. May Allah uh, be pleased with him and have mercy on his soul. Um, this dream was just one of the signs pointing towards the arrival of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace. And in addition to this, this there's so many narrations that we can give, but uh, I want I do want to speak about that that uh, that sign as well of the solar and lunar eclipse. Um, in addition to this, Hazrat Nehmatullah Shah uh, Wali. May Allah have mercy on his soul, a revered saint in India around 560 uh, Hijri prophesied about the coming of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace. And he was mentioned in the book Al-Arba'een Fi Ahwal Al-Mahdiyeen, the 40 hadith concerning the Mahdi's authored by Shah Ismail Dhelvi from, uh, this was from 1779 to 1831. And you could uh, read up on that as well, a very interesting uh, book uh, full of narrations for this. And this contains 40 uh, sayings related to the appearance of the Imam Mahdi. And these divine signs served as a testament to the authenticity of the promised Messiah's mission and provided concrete evidence um, uh, for his claims. And like I was saying earlier as well, the, 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 the uh, and, and uh, you mentioned as well, Brother Kiyum, that the lives that prophets live uh, before prophethood, they, they're, they're a testimony, right? Yeah. We we have the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When when the Meccans, the chieftains, would call him Sadiq and Amin, yep. Sadiq and Amin, um, Sadiq and Amin, sorry, mm. uh, the the truthful one. And the and as soon as they make their claim, they they say, oh no, or this person's he's a he's a magician, he's a magician or he's lying yeah. or he's fabricating. Name the calling, truth and, name calling becomes you know normal because and they forget. But but you're so you're so right that the. It's not just the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that we talk about, as Brother Summer said. All prophets, if you were to look at their early lives, if you look at the way they lived their lives, if you look at um, their, their, their behavior, their character, their attributes that they practice, that you wouldn't be able to find flow in it. And that's the definition of what prophethood is. That is what 
people of God um, uh, are defined as. Now, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it's something that we I, I mentioned earlier that uh, the, the the coming of the reformer that everyone's waiting for they attribute violence to it and there's going to be great wars and whatnot. But but the key thing is, uh, as Brother Summer said, that it goes against. Uh, the definition it goes rationality it goes against rationality when people talk of prophethood and come and, and reformer and guided one if you're going to attribute it to violence if someone's going to be a guided one then they're going to guide you towards peace because peace is where safety is why would they guide you towards violence where there's danger yeah because if you look at if you truly believe in whatever faith you believe in unless you think that your belief is around based around violence you wouldn't accept anyone who will come and tell you go and kill someone mm. in fact you will disregard a person who will say go and kill someone exactly then the so the true reformer who is coming is the one who's going to say look go towards peace go towards humanity go towards love go towards unification go towards un- understanding each other become a collective that is the definition that is more difficult to do to unify people to kill and to divide is very easy look at the the state of the world at the moment everyone's dividing someone but let's look at the task of a reformer who has to come and to reform and reforming means to to reform the the notion of violence into peace and to unify people and that is what um uh the, you know the mahdi the the reformer that is is uh, is supposed to do um and is uh, doing it depending again it goes down to um who believes uh, whether the reformer has come or not within within the amdi muslim community we believe that the promised messiah has mirza ghulam ahmed the founder of the amdi muslim community is the mahdi the reformer that everyone around the world the 6 billion people around the world are waiting for Uh, the promised messiah himself said he is krishna he is buddha he has referred himself as to the representative the messiah that everyone has been waiting for um, and and that is the the, the true belief of uh, the, within the amdi muslim community that it is all about peace it isn't about war it's about unification it's not about division no certainly we we will be speaking about that uh, that particular uh, sign in just a short while Uh, so don't go anywhere. Uh, but do join us after the news. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB. via the internet 24 hours a day Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all welcome back to the breakfast show here on the voice of Islam radio station you're listening to myself Samar Ankayum and the time for you is 2 minutes past 8 on Tuesday the 13th of February 2024 if you are just tuning in we are talking about the signs of the coming uh, of a reformer does the world need a spiritual savior is the question for you today um and uh, like 
like I said earlier as well, this is a question for the world at large. But uh, let us know what you as an individual also think uh, about this as well. You can remember, like I said earlier as well, this is your radio station. So do voice your opinion. We would love to hear uh, from you as well, whether it's on social media, on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter or Instagram at Voice of Islam UK. Or you can always pick up the phone and give us a call. 0208-687-7878 is the number for you. Um, we are speaking about uh, the, the the signs in favor of the of the promise of Messiah, um, and I but we we are going to be speaking uh, to our first guest in just a short while as well. Um, but before we do so. I think uh, it is essential for us to to also um, just just mention this one uh, narration as well. This is of uh, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And this is a distinct sign um, for for the coming of the Mahdi. And I'll just read that out before we speak to our guest. And that is um, for our Mahdi. Uh, this is this is quoted from uh, Sunan al-Darul Qutni Kitab al-Idayn. For our Mahdi, there are two signs that have never appeared before since the creation of the heavens and the earth. Namely, that the moon will be eclipsed on the first night in Ramadan, i.e. On, uh, on the first of the nights on which a lunar eclipse can occur, and the sun will be eclipsed on the middle day, i.e on the middle uh, one of the days on which the solar eclipse can occur. And these signs have not appeared since God created the heavens and the earth. Um, joining us now is Imam Daud Qureshi, a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, a very senior uh, missionary serving in the Scotland region. Assalamu peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Wa alaikum salam. Jazakallah. Thank you for, for being with us, uh, Imam uh, uh, Daud Qureshi. We, we're speaking about the signs of the, of, the, of the coming Mahdi, the coming reformer. And obviously, we, we believe this individual to be Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, upon whom be peace of Qadiyan. Um, and, and I just narrated that, uh, uh, that narration, that prophecy of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. Yeah. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Can you, for, our, for the benefit of our listener, just explain what this uh, prophecy is all about and how it was fulfilled as well, please. Yeah. First of all, thank you. Assalamu alaikum. May peace and blessing of Allah upon you all. Uh, first of all, uh, when you look at this prophecy, it speaks about uh, about the coming of someone. Uh, as, as, as the word Arabic says, mm. surely for our Mahdi or guided one. So it means that first of all we must uh, understand that uh, it means that this prophecy was never fulfilled. Maybe there were eclipses in the month of Ramadan, but there was nobody to make this claim that I am the Mahdi and Imam of this age. Mm-hmm. So this is one very important thing that uh, Holy Prophet said that uh, in the month of Ramadan, this prophecy shall be fulfilled in the favor of somebody who will make this claim that he is the reformer of this age. And this happened in the time of uh, Hazrat Prabhupada Islam. Secondly, we must also understand that uh, this is a sign which Prabhupada uh, has mentioned in many of his books in his favor yeah. that uh, Allah the Almighty fulfilled this uh, you know, sign for me. 
because the reason being that uh, other signs or means uh, different things can happen or which uh, a person can do a human being which is under the influence of human beings but this sign is not under the influence of any human being this is a heavenly sign which happened in the heavens not in the earth so also it is not in the control of someone yeah other the other thing very important thing is that uh, <clears throat> there is one very incident uh, small incident i would like to mention here that uh, it is uh, this is a prophecy which was very famous and uh, even when hazrat pramin sai alaihissalatu wassalam hazrat mirza ghulam ahmed qadiyani alaihissalam made this you know Uh, this is claim all the scholars of uh, you know subcontinent of india they were demanding that asking that there was a sign for uh, imam mahdi which is the eclipse of sun and moon it has not appeared so hazrat pramn sala salatu wassalam said that uh, this is not in my control but you should wait and uh, there is a small narration i would like it is very interesting for people to note that mm-hmm. uh, they say that uh, when this sign of eclipse sun and moon will appear then <clears throat> you know uh, the scholars will cry rather than you know accepting the message of islam they will cry oh god why this message has uh, this uh, you know sign has has appeared and it happened in one uh, you know district of gujarat the same thing that a molvi you know climb on the uh, uh, you know roof of his house Mm-hmm. Uh, in the mosque and started crying and oh now the people will go astray people will go astray this sign has appeared and people will you know means uh, follow mirza gulam mohammed so this is you know something which uh, uh, scholars knew but unfortunately in these days they have different excuses they say no it means that uh, the first day of uh, uh, you know we can say crescent and one other thing which is very important which the objection is raised against it that the first the crescent of first day is not called moon you know it is not mm-hmm. full moon it is called crescent rather than moon yeah so the word which has been used is moon al qamar and the second thing you have just mentioned that uh, the sign appears exactly according the you know the prophecy of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and it is very interesting that uh, uh you know <clears throat> nobody has control over it it uh, you know accord exactly according to the prophecies of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the person was there who made this claim that i am mahdi of this age mm. and the the secondly that when uh, you know <clears throat> sign happened after that and also uh, now unfortunately the uh, scholar of uh, muslim scholars do not recognize this sign even sometimes they say that the uh, the narration uh this uh, hadith is wrong yeah one other very important thing i would like to mention here about this hadith is also people should know that hazrat uh, imam bakar has written that wherever we you know mention any hadith uh, because we are the people of uh, the you know family of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we refer sometimes things towards our own rather than taking it to holy prophet like uh, my father told me my father this we only uh, narrate things uh, you know uh, hadith hadith is in the tradition of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in this way as he has mentioned inna al mahdina it means that he is not saying it is the sayings of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
but because he is the, from the family of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they don't you know narrate the other links so mm-hmm. this is briefly you know about this hadith yeah i mean it's 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 very it's it's fascinating i mean like like you mentioned the holy prophet muhammad made the peace and blessings of allah be upon him prophesizing this and then let's say around 1300 years later this uh, this uh, this sign is uh, is seen for the world and it's it's interesting like you mentioned that this has never happened before so basically obviously as our listener would be aware um ramadan comes once a year and that means let's say in 1300 instances this could have happened but it didn't happen even a single time but it happened uh, when at the right time where it was supposed to as prophesied by the holy prophet muhammad may the peace and blessings of allah be upon him it's it's, it's mind boggling it's astounding how amazing and accurate that is one one very important thing we must also understand that uh, this is not only the about the truthfulness of holy uh, prophet uh, the um, you know the imam mahdi but rather it is also about the truthfulness of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he made this uh, you know prophecy 1300 years ago and there are, there can be and there were some people who made this claim that they are the reform after the age maybe they passed through certain month of ramadan but uh, this sign never occurred Yeah. or appeared in any you know the in the favor of any of the climate most certainly and, and just just lastly before you go um uh, if if you can um um, um, um uh, do you know th- when this took place for the benefit of our listener if they if they want to maybe read up on it and they can see uh, in the journals of that year and the newspapers as well because this was documented around the globe isn't it yeah it happens you know in uh, i think is a uh, uh, in first in the eastern horizon and then the western horizon yeah twice it happened twice in the, you know mean the uh, once after other year i uh, it is i think 92 and 93 uh, uh, 18, i think 1894 sorry 1894 1894 yeah and, and then it happened and then yeah. you know means it also appeared in um, uh, the uh, um, uh, sub american side you know the other horizon exactly exactly and 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 like i said as well it, 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 this was this was not something which uh, uh, just the, the the muslims or the ahmadi muslims uh, saw and 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 they they, yeah. they 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 were happy or joyful for it but rather it was well documented around the globe and people saw uh, and like you mentioned the example of the 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 individuals who climbing up on uh, on, on the roofs and shouting and wailing and crying that uh, yeah. oh why has this uh, as as this happened jazakallah uh, yes it is very it is very interesting that you know means that these wordings are also in some of the narrations and how allah the almighty made it to be fulfilled the same wording that somebody is crying not happily but you know mean the uh, with sorrow that why this point has happened yeah Yeah, no, no, most certainly, most certainly. Jazakallah, uh, Imam Daud Qureshi, for for sharing your insight with us and and explaining this beautiful sign and prophecy, um, which uh, shows the truthfulness of the Imam Mahdi, the promised Messiah and reformer, upon whom be peace, and also the Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Jazakallah again, and we yeah. hope you have a wonderful day ahead as well. Jazakallah, you too. Thank you. Jazakallah. 
0208-687-7878 is the number for you. That was Imam Daud Qureshi, uh, speaking, uh, uh, a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community serving in Scotland, sharing his insight uh, into this uh, this very imp- important and interesting um, topic and, and this prophecy of uh, the truthfulness of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace. Um, as time doesn't permit to get into too much detail about other uh, other other signs as well. I'll just quickly play a, a brief uh, audio clip uh, in which it shows just three proofs uh, out of the hundreds and thousands uh, of the truthfulness of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace. Three proofs of the truthfulness of the promised Messiah. One, in a hadith of the Holy Prophet of Islam, وسلم, he has said that there will be two signs in the support of the Mahdi that have never occurred before since the creation of the heavens and the earth. These two signs are eclipses that would occur on very specific days during the month of Ramadan. In 1894, a few years after Hazrat Musa Ghulam Ahmed made his claim of being the Prophet Messiah, India and the subcontinent were witnesses to an eclipse that had occurred on the first of the three days of the full moon and in Ramadan. In the following year, in 1895, the USA had witnessed an eclipse that had occurred on the second of the three days of the full moon again in Ramadan. Now we know eclipses aren't something that can be man-made, nor is there any technology on the planet that could create such a spectacle. So this has to be the work of God. This is clear, undeniable evidence in support of the truthfulness of the Promised Messiah. 2. Performing miracles is commonly associated with prophethood. Jesus is said to have healed the sick, Moses is said to have parted the sea, and Jonah is said to have survived the belly of the whale. On one occasion, during the time of the Promised Messiah, there was one student named Abdul Karim who fell severely ill with rabies. Now at that time, there was absolutely no cure nor any medication that could heal Abdul Karim. So the Promised Messiah prayed for the recovery of the student and Abdul Karim made a miraculous recovery. Now, without any human intervention, this can only be attributed to the work of God. A second miracle during the time of the Promised Messiah is how he had perfected the Arabic language overnight. Now, how long would it take me or you to learn a language? Some years? Even people with degrees find it difficult to call themselves experts in the language. The Promised Messiah received a revelation of 40,000 Arabic words overnight, a language that is commonly known to be one of the most complicated languages in the world. This can, again, only be attributed to the work of God in support of the truthfulness of the Promised Messiah. Three, we can see from the history of the prophets that they have always been victorious in their claims and their missions. Similarly, the promised Messiah has been victorious in his claims and his missions. The promised Messiah received a prophecy from God that I shall cause thy message to reach the corners of the earth. Now the promised Messiah received this prophecy in a rural village in India in Guardian, an unknown town to the world. Now we can see that a little over a hundred years later, his message and his claim has reached over 200 countries around the world. This is nearly every country on the planet. Now who can now say that his message has not reached the corners of the earth? These are clear proofs of the truthfulness of the promised Messiah. And there we had uh, um, a little clip talking about the truthfulness of the promised Messiah. And, you know, as Brother Summer said, that there are we, we could sit here for hours and days and months and talk about, uh, you know, the reformer that everyone's waiting for, the Mahdi that everyone's waiting for. Um, but just to wrap it up, uh, quickly, 
Um, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is the only community in the world um, where we, who actually believe that the reformer has come uh, and the reformer is Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian on whom be peace, who is the promised reformer. And he is not coming and he did not come uh, to, to fight any religious wars. He didn't come here to kill uh, people from all different faiths. He actually came to unify, um, hence why. Um, you know, that, that uh, if you look at the message that uh, is and the motto of the Amdi Muslim community, it is based around love, it's based around peace, it's based around humanity, it's based around unification, it is based around peace. Islam is a religion which literal meaning is to surrender and to surrender to the will of God and the will of God is peace and peace can be, peace can be attained by loving, not by hating. Hence why we talk about love for all, hatred for none. And that is the true message that you will hear from the successors uh, of the promised Messiah, Hazrat of Allah Muhammad of Qadian, the former, uh, the, the, the founder of the Amdiya Muslim co- uh, the community. Um, and the, the successors are, uh, are divine leaders. They are, they are chosen by God Almighty. And, and currently you, will, you must have heard over the past 20 odd years uh, the, the voice of His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand, who has been talking about unification, who's been talking about celebrating the similarities between all faiths, talking about uniting all faiths, talking about how peace, justice, humanity is the way forward. At no time will you ever hear any of the successors um, talk about how violence is the way forward. And that is a true sign of a reformer who comes and talks about the unification of mankind by um, peaceful means. Most certainly, most certainly. And I mean, like we said earlier as well, this is a topic that we we can speak on uh, on hours on end um, uh, in in this regard. But uh, unfortunately, time has gotten the better of us. Um, what is uh, the, the second topic that we're talking about today? The second topic is about uh, uh, tree planting. So a tree is known uh, by its fruit, a man by his deeds. The National Trust has pledged to make, uh, has has pledged to plant one hundred thousand trees in Devon uh, in a reforestation pursuit. Uh, at COP twenty eight, uh, it was established back in December uh, that uh, nature. Um, this was part and parcel of uh, nature based solutions, uh, and tree planting was one of those solutions. And tree planting is crucial to combating the climate crisis. Um, how how does this work is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking to different guests um, who are going to be, sh- um, you know, um, sharing an insight and giving us their expertise on how um, how this works and how um, it will help the the climate. How does it? Uh, yeah, and and how it needs to happen um, is going to be the the uh, the key element of the conversation that we're going to be having over the next half hour or so. And we do have with us uh, on the line our first guest uh, for the show as well, Stuart uh, Dainton, uh, who's Head of Land Management and Estates at the National Forest. He's uh, responsible for grant support for to, to landowners to plant trees and manage woodlands across the nation, National Forest. Stuart also has a responsibility for the charity's own land within the forest, which is a diverse range of habitats to demonstrate landscape change possibilities. Um, where trees transform to help a woodland economy to support nature, people 
and the environment. He also um, has had a varied career background, uh, including starting out as a uh, cartographic surveyor, then serving 23 years as a Royal Air Force uh, logistics officer, working in many different environments across the globe. Um, He then uh, moved to build a diverse portfolio to experience in sustainability as well. Wonderful. Um, Good morning. Welcome. Assalamualaikum. And peace be on you, Stuart. Well, good morning to you. Thank you very much for having me on your programme and for talking about trees. It's wonderful to be on your programme. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you with us because this is a a mission. This is a a duty which is very dear to His Holiness, Hazrat Mazam Suram, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, where plantation of trees... Um, has been deemed as part and parcel of of uh, the practicalities of practicing our faith within Islam, Ahmadiyya. So it's it's very important. Um, Stuart, just to start, could you please briefly share five reasons uh, to plant a tree? Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. There's so many great reasons to to plant trees. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but. But maybe if I could just start, that trees are just wonderful areas with homes for nature. The biodiversity richness that comes from having trees around is just wonderful. And, and trees really, as you've been talking about the climate, are just fantastic in helping us as a nature solution in tackling the climate problems because they soak up carbon and they help to protect our, our soils. And, and really, uh, trees are just so brilliant for us as well they're fantastic for our own health and well-being trees and plants are phytocides and and those are shown to be great for our immune system help us to reduce stress and just they're so good it's so good to be outside around trees and i I just think you know maybe probably another reason is um, just helping to reduce pollution in, in built up areas trees soak up pollution they really help shade areas as well and perhaps your fifth reason is, they're just great for the economy. It's great for people for jobs. They help us to produce food. They can help slow the flow in flooding areas. I mean, gosh, there's there's so many reasons there that I've just given. Sorry, I'm sorry, I've probably given you much more than five, but those, maybe yeah. those top five are really great. But if I could maybe get encapsulated all and just maybe say that maybe it's just the wonder and beauty of trees that is that that just the defining point about why trees are just so important in the landscape. Stuart, a question comes to mind from the reasons that while you were giving the reasons. We always talk about, um, um, you know, we, we talk about uh, reasons to plant trees. And and the question is, what if there was no tree? What would happen? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, we, we are so connected to our environment and the space around us. And we need the biodiversity. We need the richness of nature to be around us because we're all part of it. So, so, it, so, so the survival, would you say survival is, 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 is something that is very relevant to having, having trees and plants and trees? It's so critical to, um, you know, the, the survival of you know, all our being. Yes. We are all part of the living system. Yes. And so all of those elements in the living system are so crucial to being to being part of, you know, the connectivity. And we've got to keep that connectivity with nature. Without a doubt. And because and I, I, sometimes I feel we uh, we talk about tree plantation, but we never uh, look at the other side of it, that if there was no trees, we are actually walking towards self-destruction. Hence the, the, the importance of having trees and, and oxygen in, <laughs> the, 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 you know, that it gets created. Would you, would you kindly share, you know, how, what, what are the best ways of planting trees? Well, you, you know, it's, 
so important to have the right trees in the right places. I mean, really, that's sort of our mantra of making sure that it's, it, it's the thing to do. And that comes within the UK and, you know, across the world. You always look at what maybe your native species are, your local species, and the ones that are important, that will fit the soils, that are, are able to be planted, that are a part of the living ecosystem uh, um, that we're in right now. We are going to have to look to the future. We're going to have to innovate. We're going to have to adapt. We're going to have to help nature in its change because the weather, the climate is changing. And so it is really crucial that we also think about those changes, but we provide the homes in planting the right trees in the right places, I was saying, for nature, but also for our own wealth and well-being. You, you, you talked there about actually, you know, areas without trees. Areas without trees are just, you can be devoid of life. You know, mm -hmm. they can, and so having that space with trees around us in our communities is just so important and you know you can you can plant a tree in your garden if you've got space having the right trees so, some small trees you know something like a roan or a crab apple here in the in the uk or a hawthorn is just brilliant for wildlife um you know but if you can't do it in your if you don't have a garden but if you have you know space around you in the local community try to get involved in a local community group helping to put trees and green space near you because it really is so crucial for us finally stuart a lot of people get confused in a sense but they don't never really get to understand what the national trust or national forest is national forest is a lot more than 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 its title so just for the benefit of uh, the the listener how does one get involved and what what is the scope um, of of the national forest so yeah the national forest has really sort of been a, a a place of inspiration for me certainly and i think really for the nation and beyond because it was a visionary piece that sort of came out of some thinking with the mid-90s where it was about trying to transform a landscape, a landscape that had really been um, impacted by heavy industry with lots of pollution. And it was set about changing the landscape from really a low tree cover of about 6% um, to where it is now up to about 23%. And it's 200 square miles across the Midlands uh, in counties across Derbyshire, Staffordshire and Leicestershire. And it really has made a tremendous difference to the local community, the economy, helping to educate children, get them outside, enjoy the environment. But crucially, it's also our part of helping to sort of impact on climate change and, and provide spaces for people to get outside and enjoy. And you mentioned about, well, how can people get involved? I mean, it, we can all be involved because, uh, I mean, the National Forest is, a, is an accessible forest. It's a, a forest for everyone. It's got some great places and great walks. And, you know, as we come towards the spring, please do look at the National Forest website because there's some wonderful walks that are coming up that you can get outside to enjoy nature, enjoy the forest uh, all across it and just, uh, you know, enjoy the space because it has been a transformational change in the landscape. And really, I think something that we can all look to to see that change is possible and that inspiration and that sort of opportunity to maybe plant hope is so important right now and I would maybe just say is if anybody did want to get involved and you wanted to have a look at our National Forest website we can if you can't plant a tree yourself you can maybe always dedicate a tree in the forest um, from our website but, um, but I hope you can get outside and just enjoy your community enjoy trees wherever you are. Wonderful. I mean, what you said is so right. Um, within the Amdi Muslim community, be it the youth, be it the elders, be it the ladies, uh, auxiliary organisations, they have been planting trees as part and parcel of our everyday tasks. 
um, for for the for the past few decades, and I think um, we've we've gone way past uh, a million trees over the past uh, ten years or so. But Stuart, thank you so much for taking time out and coming onto the breakfast show and and highlighting the importance of tree plantation. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. Thank you very much, and to you too. And uh, it's so wonderful to hear that stories of volunteering. Please do keep that up. Peace to you too. Thank, thank you. Thank. Zero zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you. Uh, that was our first guest for this topic, uh, for this uh, segment, and that's, that was Stuart Dainton, who is sharing his thoughts with us, uh, head of land management and estates at the National Forest. He's uh, responsible for grant support for landowners uh, to landowners to plant trees and manage woodlands across the National Forest, um, along with many other things as well. And um, we'll be going straight into our next uh, guest uh, for this uh, segment and we do have with us on the line Stan Smith uh, who is an experienced project manager specialising in natural process uh, driven landscape restoration now delivering the Atlantic Rainforest Restoration Programme for the Wildlife Trust in partnership with Aviva and also working on bringing large herbivores back to our landscapes through the Large Herbivores Working Group. Previously, Stan led the groundbreaking uh, Wild Bleen um, project, which uh, is the first use of uh, European bison in a natural grazing project in the UK, as well as managing teams including specialists in species translocation, community co-development, social science, ecological monitoring and project uh, delivery professionals um assalamualaikum peace be upon you good morning and welcome to the breakfast show and also with you good morning uh, very good morning to you too thank you uh, for being with us and joining us in this uh, important topic that uh, we're talk- uh, that we're talking about in regards to planting trees the first question that we wanted to ask you was could if you could kindly explain to our listener what natural process driven landscape restoration actually is what does this mean Sure thing. So uh, natural processes are all the interactions by living things that support the planet around us. So things like uh, water cycling, pollination uh, and the formation of soil through decomposition. It's a sort of a way of thinking about how interconnected all the life around us is. So it's not just that an animal lives in a habitat or an animal lives in trees, but that the animal is part of it. And uh, perhaps if I give you an example. So um most people will know that squirrels live in trees and woodland and also they spend time sort of, you know, burying their nuts and seeds. So some of those seeds then grow into new trees and then that helps the woodland to regenerate. So it's true that squirrels live in trees, but it's also true that trees live because of squirrels. It's one big natural process. And so when we're thinking about kind of uh, trying to recreate these, these, these ecosystems, these landscapes that we've, that we've lost, and, you know, here in the UK, which is one of the most nature depleted countries in the world many of these processes are not functioning as well as they could so if we want to restore nature and say recover our woodlands yes we absolutely should be planting trees and that's absolutely brilliant but to create those resilient thriving woodlands and rainforests of the future that sustain themselves particularly in the face of a changing climate we need to think about all of the other animals and plants that make up that natural system so, so currently in my role here at the Wildlife Trust, where we're trying to rebuild the incredible Atlantic rainforest here in the UK, this, that's exactly what we're trying to think about and what we're trying to make happen. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, beautifully said, and and and, it, and it's so important as well that we that we think about this whole cycle as well. It's not just a tree, but it's it's all the things around, surrounding it, like exactly. you mentioned the, the squirrels as well. This actually reminds me of a saying of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in which he said that there is none amongst you who plants a tree or sows seeds, and then a bird or a person or an animal eats from it, but that would be con- taken as an act of charity for him. So it just goes to show that it's not just for our own benefit that we that we derive from planting trees from the oxygen but rather it's the birds the pe- people animals or so many different beings uh, actually benefit from that so it's like you said it's essential uh, that, that we look after this as well um, Stan, many might be unaware that the UK is actually home to temperate rainforests and an incredibly rare and bio- biodiverse habitat how is its ecosystem different than that of tro- uh, tropical rainforests, and why is it crucial to protect such habitats and biodiversity? Yeah, it's it's amazing. We have these incredible temperate rainforests here in the UK, and yet they're so sort of under underknown compared to their kind of tropical cousins. And in in fact, temperate rainforests are even rarer than than tropical rainforests. So kind of. Just like the tropical rainforest, they are, you know, full of a rich tapestry of life, some of the most biodiverse areas we have. And and similar to them, they require kind of damp, wet conditions to grow. But one of the main differences is that temperate rainforests grow in kind of cooler, stable climates like we have here in the UK. So mm-hmm. here in the UK and particularly in the West Coast, we all know it rains a lot. Uh, but price, precisely because it rains so much here and all throughout the year, Plus, it's not often below freezing or kind of above about, you know, 25. It doesn't often get very, very hot here. Yeah. It's perfect for these temperate rainforests to form. And in fact, the UK is one of the best places in Europe for this type of habitat. And and these habitats are, they're amazing. They're kind of really, uh, you know, damp, misty place, twisted branches of trees, literally dripping with moss. They're home to kind of rare woodland birds like spotted flycatchers and red nice. starts and many wonderful fungi and lichen which have kind of really cool names enigmatic names things like hazel gloves fungus looks like orange hands growing from a tree or <laughs> tumbling kittens lichens and string of sausages is another one and many of these species are found nowhere else and they're sort of incredibly slow growing so whilst temperate rainforest it might have co- covered as much as 20 percent of the uk okay. but it now covers less than one percent wow. so we've lost so much of it so it's so important to protect what we have left and to help it expand into new areas from which it's been lost definitely definitely most certainly i, I, I couldn't agree more um and lastly how do you think um uh, how effective would you say rebuilding the rainforest is to improve biodiversity and to actually tackle climate change as well yeah absolutely i mean as we said they are they are real kind of rich biodiversity hotspots but, you know, as we know, trees are fantastic in that they they suck carbon out of the air. They are made of that very thing that we've got too much of in our atmosphere. And so recreating these kind of rainforests, not only does it lock up carbon in the trees, but because you've got these mosses growing on top of the trees, you've got lichens growing too. There's so much they can do to actually absorb carbon out of the air and lock it up for, you know, for the long term. But it, more than that, that these these environments, you know, these these habitats, if they get big enough, they can actually create their own microclimates. We, you know, you see it in the kind of tropical rainforest. They generate their own rain from the the mist that's coming off the trees, and and that's exactly the sort of thing that happens on a smaller scale here with these temperate rainforests. So, if we can really start to restore these habitats up, get them to a size where they can start to generate their own microclimates, 
you know, they're cooler under the canopy of the trees, then, then they have benefits not just where they are, but beyond the environments where they are and can really help kind of uh, create resilient landscapes of the future here in the UK for, for people. And, you know, this is a globally rare habitat. So it's, it's an opportunity that we have to, to improve biodiversity here in the UK that can contribute on a much, much wider scale. Most certainly, most certainly. I mean, we, we. Uh, this actually reminds me of another saying of the Holy Prophet, in which he said that we, we are all stewards uh, for our own little flock. And this, if if this is something which falls under the UK, and we we uh, we we should be the ones to look after this as well. And it's it's uh, it's quite rightfully, like you mentioned, going from twenty percent down to just one percent. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is something which is which is well alarming, and this is something that we definitely need to. To take some sort of action to better this and even expand it like you mentioned earlier as well um, Stan thank you for, for, for being with us for answering our questions and sharing your insight into this uh, very important topic as well thank you and we hope you have a thank wonderful you. day ahead thank you very much you're very welcome thank you Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you. That was Stan Smith, an experienced project manager specialising in natural process-driven landscape restoration, sharing his thoughts with us. Before we get into a conversation with ourselves, let's go straight to our next guest of the morning. <laughs> We've got with us Susanna Littlewood. She has uh, um, she has been senior partnerships and development coordinator for London since twenty twenty one works with partners in Greater London, most often local councils, to develop tree planting and greening projects in parks, open spaces, estates and across the public realm. Trees for Cities and the Amdi Muslim Ladies Association are well uh, known to each other due to the number of volunteers for the centenary celebrations, planting and endeavours. Good morning, welcome, assalamu and peace be on you and thank you for taking time out coming on to the breakfast show, Susanna. Hi, it's a pleasure to be on with you today. Pleasure to have you with us. Um, Susanna, for the benefit of those um, listening who aren't already involved with the, with, with the work you do, could you please tell us um, a little bit more about Trees for Cities? So Trees for Cities are the only UK charity working at a national and international scale to improve lives by planting trees in cities. So we love trees and our focus is very much on the urban realm um, improving people's experience of living in cities by planting more trees. Um, can you share your story with us um, about, um, you know, trees um, and the plantation of trees and, and how uh, you got involved in it? I mean, it's been going, the, the Trees for Cities has been going strong, you know, for 30 years. So congratulations to you on that. Yeah, it's our 30th anniversary and we are approaching planting our two millionth tree. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we're, we've really Brilliant. been getting them in over the last three decades. Um, and, yeah, I personally joined the organisation two years ago, um, and I feel it's been going from strength to strength, really. Um, it actually started out as Trees for London, um, but has become Trees for Cities as we look to other cities to plant trees elsewhere. A strange question comes to mind. I mean, I mentioned earlier that uh, you are well aware of the Amdiya Muslim Ladies Association, and within um, within the community, within the within Islam Ahmadiyya, we always practice as part and parcel of our faith is to look after the the earth that has been blessed to us, and and, and planting trees as part and parcel of that. Do, do in your in your extensive work in getting communities involved in this in this, in this brilliant task, does faith ever get used as a uh, uh, as a means to get people involved in in uh, in in tree planting, 
I'd say that's definitely a motivation of lots of our volunteers working within the urban space. We're working at the point where trees and people are interacting. And as you say, our community volunteers are a hugely important part of our work. Um, we They come and plant loads of the trees with us. And a really important part of what we do is um, getting people excited about trees. And certainly um, lots of our volunteers would... Um, would point to faith as something that might guide them towards wanting to protect nature, plant more trees, um, and I guess faiths of all of all different kinds. But yeah, we've we've had a great relationship with the Ahmadiyya Women's Association. They've done so much volunteering with us um, and got lots of trees in the ground. <laughs> awesome, awesome. In addition to faith, um, what other motivating factors are there? Um, for people to 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 get involved and how how can if if one of our listeners want to get involved how do they go about doing so so there are multiple benefits of trees obviously lots of people are concerned about climate change um, but also the biodiversity crisis and i think those concerns really motivate people to want to see more trees around them um, and if you do want to get more involved you can go to our website treesforcities.org you can sign up for our volunteer mailing list Come and join a community planting day. We've got four remaining this season. In. Um, so, yeah, come and get stuck in. Fantastic. Susanna, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on to The Breakfast Show. Um, congratulations on uh, on, on the 30, 30 years of tree planting. May God Almighty bless and reward your efforts for the next 30 years as well. Um, when you, you, when you, and, and soon you may be celebrating the thir- 3 million trees and 4 million trees. Um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, um, and thank you for your fantastic work you do. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Peace be on you. Bye-bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you. That was uh, Su- Susanna Littlewood, uh, um, Senior Partnership and Development Coordinator for London since uh, twenty twenty one, and works with partners in Greater London, uh, most often uh, local councils, to develop tree planting and greening projects in parks, open spaces, estates, and across the public realm. Um, uh, Kiyum, I think we we're, we're not going to have a chance to speak to each other t- today because no. of the, the 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 sheer volume of guests that we have. Um, we do with us have have with us right, our last guest for the segment, uh, Hannah Mrokska, uh, who is a learning and engagement coordinator at Earthwatch Europe, an uh, environmental charity on a mission to connect people with nature and give them the tools they need to fight uh, for our planet. Uh, with her background in education and environmental sciences and passion for community building, Hannah works with local schools and community groups to engage them in practical and positive actions to protect the nature around them. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome and thank you for being with us today. Um, the We're just going to get straight into the topic, uh, into the discussion and questions because uh, this is a very important topic that we do want to address um, and I'm sure our listeners uh, has uh, taken full uh, advantage of our previous discussions as well. Um, the first question that I wanted to ask you was in regards to forest re- restoration. So why is forest restoration not only in nature's uh, but also in our, in human human's best interest as well? I think this is such a great question. I really think we should be asking ourselves more often on a Tuesday morning Mm -hmm. um, as we rush to school or to work. Um, 
I actually remember asking a group of uh, school children who are um, involved in our tiny forest project, which we'll tell you a little bit more about later, replied to a similar question in such a simple and meaningful way. Um, they said, we breathe in what trees breathe out, and we breathe out what trees breathe in. And I just love that simplicity. Mm. But this is only a part of this um, symbiotic relationship. It, it really goes beyond because trees absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and store that carbon in the trunks, in the stems, in the roots, and, and even in the soil, giving out oxygen. This makes them a crucial collaborator in, in mitigating the fossil fuel pollution, which contributes to climate change. Um, they do also help with flooding mitigation. Um, we know that one in five schools in London um, are already at high risk of flooding with temperature increase. So, so imagine about all of the school children going to school right now yeah. and then the school needing to be cancelled because there is flooding. Um, so crowns of trees, they intercept, meaning they slow down the rain. So it falls onto the ground um, much more slower and the long roots um, help to loosen up the ground, helping water uh, go deeper into the ground so it doesn't run off. And so this is especially important in urban places. And when we know that 84% of us in the UK live in urban places that are mostly, as you look around, um, mostly the ground is, is concrete or even sort of hard lawns that are really, really compact. And um, trees make cities uh, cooler. On a hot day in a park, you would most likely want to sit under a tree yeah. uh, rather than out in the open field. They attract wild habitats, birds, insects. Um, either for a, in a larger global scale, we know that 25% of all modern Western tracks are actually derived from rainforest plants. But in human interest, it, it, it's also the well-being that that forests bring. It's just simply the, the feeling of being in the forest and, and finding yourself that you are so, you know, you, you're part of something bigger. It, it's really special. And, and science definitely backs um, the influence of forests on our mental well-being, on our physical well-being as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, you mentioned uh, students, you mentioned uh, schools as well. How does Earthwatch work together with students and teachers to create an environment where both nature and people can thrive? Mm -hmm. um, so we, we have a few different programs um, where we give both the students and the teachers you know, the knowledge, the tools and the confidence to, to take the um, informed action for the planet, to stay connected um, to nature. So, so as I mentioned, nature is simply amazing on on our well-being. It's uh, for students, it decreases the stress levels. Even kind of spending five minutes of revision time um, outdoor uh, can work magic mm -hmm. on, uh, on on kind of educational attainment. Uh, there is simply more and more research showing that learning in nature can result in better learning outcomes. And the more we care about nature, um, the, the more connected to nature we are, um, the more likely we are to, to do something good for it, to, to care for it. 
Um, and then going back to the classroom, just think about sitting in a warm, stuffy classroom and having to learn about photosynthesis from a biology book. Mm. Instead, you could go outside, you could touch the real tree and then see the leaves. Um, you know, just think about which one, um, which which of the experiments, which, which of the learning experiences uh, students would know better. So. Um, we have a few programs, for example, our Teach Earth program is a completely free teacher training program where we teach teachers how to teach about the environmental issues, but in a, in a captivating, a practical and solution-led way so that they help the students um, feel empowered and feel connected um, to, to act for the planet and they feel connected to their local natural area and the need to preserve it. Um, we have our Green Earth School program where we get people to design their own nature-based solutions like ponds and edible gardens on their school grounds um, that they can also turn into their outdoor classrooms, their lab areas, their relaxing areas. And then, of course, there is the, the Tiny Forest Project and the, and the whole learning program that comes with it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd love to tell you a, a little bit more about what Tiny Forest is. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, we actually we recognize the Earth's watch, uh, watch's uh, efforts at cultivating a greener environment, such as through the tiny forest movement as well. Um, you can actually, uh, if you want, bring our listeners uh, up to speed on this movement as well. Absolutely, I'd love to. So in short, tiny forest is a dense, fast-growing woodland in a space no, long, no larger than 200 metres square. So that's about a tennis court size. And um, so it is meant to bring the benefits the forest provides that I mentioned earlier, but in a densely populated urban space. And um, so currently we have over 220 forests in urban areas all around the UK, and we are planting more as we speak. Um, but truly the power of tiny forests lies in the community engagement that goes way beyond just putting trees in the ground. So we bring in the trees, the method, the tools and knowledge and skills, but um, it is mainly about providing platforms for sharing the knowledge and the skills that already exist. Mm -hmm. So going back to um, to our conversation, so, uh, just to your earlier question about, uh, about schools. So yeah. often when I ask pupils, especially those living in in areas where they really don't have a garden, they, they don't have access to a, a nice nature um, reserve, to a nice park. And, and yeah, when I ask them if they have that connection to nature, if they have a garden, the answer is no. But when I ask about their grandparents here or, or another country they might call home, a whole another conversation unravels around special species and, and edible foods that we don't even know of. So, so tiny forests provide a platform for those um, connections to happen. And we have a whole curriculum-based learning program for both children and adults. Um, we engage the community in citizen science. Um, so that means that anyone, um, and local residents ideally, records the impact of each tiny forest the environmental impact, contributing to nationwide database and, and even international research. Uh, so this is something that excites children quite a lot. Um, each of the tiny forests bears the name of its area to symbolize the, the community ownership. And, and we really 
um, care about providing access to nature to those who might lack access to it. That means diversifying our audiences, bringing in voices across socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, generation, religions. So it is truly a wonderful privilege to be here. And we have previously worked with um, Madia Women, uh, Muslim Women Association, who are part of the bigger women, uh, Muslim Women Association in the UK. They had a plan to celebrate their 100 years of existence by planting 100,000 of trees. Um, they um, helped us. They participated all over the UK in Nottingham, uh, here in London, in Haringey. And they taught us about the beautiful values that are core to Islam, the community, help, generosity, compassion, the energy and enthusiasm. And um, I should probably say when I say taught, I should rather say showed because they were incredibly quick at planting. Uh, colleagues told me they had to hide trees so that everybody got a chance to plant. Um, and and they brought food. Um, I again sadly wasn't there, but I heard from colleagues it was it was a real feast. So so our planting season is right now running until the end of March. Um, you will be able to uh, to contribute. Everybody is welcome to come and help plant uh, trees. Um, there are 600 in each tiny forest. They're all native to the local area. Um, so you can, the best way to look into planting is probably look us up on Eventbrite, just by clicking, uh, just by even Googling Airport Europe Eventbrite, and then all of the events come in. We're going to be in Newcastle tomorrow and Thursday. Next week is Ealing, and we are adding uh, more planting days as we speak. Awesome. But that, as I said, it doesn't only end up planting. Soon our monitoring season starts, or as I like to call it, enjoying a season with a little bit of good for health working season. Uh, so that is taking those data, sometimes weeding the forest. Um, younger forests might need a little bit of help to survive the first two, three weeks in rather unpleasant um, urban conditions. So there are forests that already exist that anyone can get involved in. We are all over the UK. Um, and uh, of course, there are those new forests that will need um, that will need help from uh, what we like to call tree keepers who, mm. become, who become the ones uh, who are responsible and bring the community in to, to simply enjoy and, um, and to, to, help, uh, to help nature in our local area. So all of that, I really do encourage you to come to Go to our website, thetinyforest.airforge.org.uk, um, where you'll be able to find all of the information and more about uh, tiny forest. Uh, yeah, brilliant. So I think uh, I, I hope I hope I got you. I yeah. got you interested. Yeah, no, no. I mean, we're we're already interested. That's why we're talking about it. But I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that uh, that uh, made the listener uh, aware of the importance of uh, planting trees and really giving back to the community as well. So thank you. Uh, may, may, may God reward you for that as well. Um, and, and yeah, for, for, for that brilliant conversation and discussion that we've had as well. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we, we've got for today. Um, so we hope you have a wonderful day and week ahead as well. Uh, and thank you for being with us. Peace be upon Likewise. you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It was really lovely. Thank You're you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye bye.
0208-687-7878 is the number for you. That was Hannah Mrocka, um, a uh, who is a learning and engagement coordinator at Earthwatch Europe, who was sharing her thoughts with us. Um, a little time left, uh, uh, unfortunately. I mean, a very delightful, uh, uh, delightful and uh, uh, interesting conversations and discussions that we've had, which which show our listener the importance of of planting trees and giving back to the environment. As we mentioned earlier, Hakukule. It's not just about yeah, the rights for it, mankind, that's, that's it. but the rights for, for, for the environment and yeah. everything around us. Which part, which is part and parcel of serving mankind. Exactly. exactly. Because as uh, um, you know, Hannah said, uh, what trees breathe out, we breathe in. What we breathe out, trees breathe in. How they're intertwined. Um, you know, we breathe out carbon dioxide and they breathe it in and they breathe out oxygen, we breathe it in. We are uh, linked into, you know, God Almighty has created this system, the world. Every single thing on this earth has been created for a reason. And it is us as human beings, it is our responsibility to make sure we look after it. It It is paramount that we look after it. And that looking after all of these things, all of these beautiful things that God Almighty has given us is part and parcel of the worship of God Almighty. Yeah. That is not just reading the Holy Quran and, and praying five times a day. That is just a small aspect yeah. of what it is being a Muslim. Being a Muslim more is all about how you live your life and how you serve mankind, how you serve the environment you live, how you serve and look after the, the the society we live in from an environment point of view from a point, people point of view um, and 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 from a from a community point of view yeah i mean like i mentioned to stand as well uh, one of our previous guests that we we we've been sent as stewards on this earth uh, to look after our own flock as well and uh, this is the saying of the holy prophet muhammad peace may the peace Allah. and blessings of allah be upon him i want to end with uh, with another saying of his um in which he encouraged the restoration of wastelands in which he said that he who revives a dead land will be rewarded. And when any creature eats of it, this will be counted as an act of charity for him. Uh, this brings us to an end for today's show. Thank you to everyone who was involved and thank you for listening as well. Have a safe and pleasant day. Here's the news.